Hello, and welcome to another edition of St. Paul's Letters to America. I'm your program host, Ray Gerard. With me in studio today is your illustrious co-host, Mr. Bob Hennigas. Bob, welcome once again. I think that's a watershed moment for me. I don't think anyone has ever used the term illustrious and me together. That's, uh, well, I thought, I thought <laughs> it would make, make you feel good this morning. <laughs> that's wild. But uh, don't let it go to your head. I'll try not to. Um, all right, so this is the program that asks, hey, what if St. Paul the St. Paul, were alive today, and he could write a letter to America, what would he tell us? What would he think we need to hear? Well, on this program, you're going to hear exactly what he would tell us. And the reason is really very simple. And it's because that what he wrote two millennia ago still applies today. Humans haven't changed. We're the same. We have the same problems uh, the human condition is is the same. And what was good for people then uh, to be aligned with the ultimate reality, which is God, uh, that advice that would help us do that back then, still good advice today. So that's what we're going to be about. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Because we take these letters from St. Paul, and then what we do with them is we try to apply them to some issue that is current in our culture or our society today. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, today... Uh, we're going to look at a list that has come out this week. It's an annual list that just came out a few days ago, and it's published by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and it's a list of hate groups. Now, originally when the Southern Poverty Law Center started to do this, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, they originally were dealing with, um, I, think maybe they, I think maybe they started back in the 70s. I'm not sure. But anyways, originally they were dealing with uh, groups like the Ku Klux Klan, and neo-Nazi groups. And over the years, it has expanded such that uh, this year in the report, they have listed 838, uh, 838 hate groups in the U.S. And they actually have a map on their website where, they, uh, where you can go and you can find out the various hate groups that exist in your state. And uh, so it's a public awareness kind of a thing, and they're trying to uh, just inform the public um, to be on the lookout, you know, for these, these types of groups. But as you might imagine, when you have 838 groups, uh, they're not all neo-Nazis and Klansmen. And this year, uh, the list includes, as it has for some other years as well, actually, uh, the Thomas More Law Center, the Alliance Defending Freedom, the Ruth Institute, and other organizations that have Catholic connections or Christian connections. A lot of them. As a matter of fact, the Southern Poverty Law Center has devoted on their website, uh, I think it's about like 12 pages, to what they identify as radical traditional Catholicism. Um, actually, yeah, about 12 pages. And it was go through a long list. And they, they describe a lot of the, the groups that they include as radical traditional Catholic uh, organizations. Some of those groups include Catholic Family Ministries, located in Niagara Falls, New York, which is very close to where I grew up. Also, the International Fatima Rosary Crusade, which is also in my hometown, Buffalo, New York. Uh, the IHS Press, uh, a publisher. Remnant, the Remnant Press, they put out, uh, I think, a, a newspaper of sorts. Uh, Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, 
is another one. Um, now, these the slaves of the Immaculate are married, a series of monks that live in a remote rural area. So groups that are predominantly concerned with praying the rosary or monks located in some secluded rural area, you might be wondering, why are they so dangerous? Um, do they preach violence? Are they responsible for any kind of violence? I mean, if you're in the Ku Klux Klan, uh, yeah, you were responsible for a little violence. I mean, people were killed in horrible fashion. Um, you know, do these monks uh, do that? Um, what If you go through the, all these pages that they devote to what they call radical traditional Catholicism, what you find is that the common denominator among all these groups is that um, they've made comments or people affiliated with the organizations have made comments at one time or another which are said to be um, anti-Jewish or anti-Semitic in nature. So you have a group and you have somebody that says something that is anti-Semitic. A lot of people say a lot of things that are improper at one time or another. Uh, but that's a far cry from promoting violence. Does this list of hate groups exist to make people aware so that these groups uh, who are dangerous to society uh, cannot, you know, pursue their agendas and hurt people? Uh, because if that's the case, you have a hard time, uh, you know, justifying the listing of some of these groups. So we're going to be talking about that in uh, in more detail uh, because really but this like everything else you know every other, every other time that we take up one of these subjects it's not so much the subject itself it's not so much the particular issue that is of paramount concern here on this program uh, you can get lost you know uh, in the trees and and fail to see the woods uh, the real issue is why some of these things are happening first off is something that's happened in our society uh, something that follows uh, the right path for humans to behave with other humans? Uh, is it the right thing to do? And if it's not, then why is it happening? That's really the question. That's really what's more important. Why is it happening? So anyways, that's what we're going to try to do again today. And... Uh, we are going to examine this through the prism of a letter from St. Paul. And this was uh, part of, with a few minor uh, just modifications, uh, not, nothing changing any content, but just for convenience in a place here or there. This is basically taken from a letter he wrote to the Romans. And Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. Although, yet, yet there are those that, although they knew God, they did not accord him glory as God or give him thanks. Instead, they became vain in their reasoning and their senseless minds were darkened. While claiming to be wise, they became fools. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God handed them over to their undiscerning mind to do what is improper. They are filled with every form of wickedness and malice. 
full of rivalry, treachery, and spite. They are gossips and scandal mongers, and they hate God. You are without excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for by the standard by which you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the very same things. So, the question is, does this apply to the Southern Poverty Law Center? There are several, I think, notable points in this reading. Uh, Bob, you may find, you know, something in, a, in addition to what I'm going to mention, but you know, obviously, you know, Paul is, is once again affirming the reality of God and that, you know, when we deny that, we lose our way. And then we start doing things um, which are improper. Um, they can be, you know, where we, we feel the need to engage in a rivalry with other people and we act out of spite. And because of that, then we become scandal mongers. And because of that, we end up judging other people, even though we, as judges, do the very same things. This is, I think, the gist of, of what Paul saw back in his day, that when people distance themselves from God, they distance themselves from the love of God. And that creates... Uh, a climate or a condition where they're maybe prone to feeling unloved and then f taking it out on other people. And they engage in rivalries with other people. And, you know, they engage in, uh, in treachery and spite and they become scandal mongers. And then they, and they judge others even though they do the very same things themselves. So the question is, can we apply those standards to the Southern Poverty Law Center? Do we find them engaging in scandal mongering? Do we find them in engaged in, you know, um, you know, malice or trying to, fo you know, foment malice against uh, other people or other groups? Um, and, uh, you know, are they guilty of some things that they say the groups they criticize are guilty of? I think, Ray, when anyone, anyone tries to say things that gives them publicity and gives them position and gives them power rather than say things that are true and real and giving glory to God instead is in danger. In fact, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us, if we make judgments, to keep those to ourselves, and instead try to help others to understand where they think God might disagree with their actions. You know, we, we are not supposed to tell someone they're wrong. We are to tell others that we see something happening, some behavior, some action that looks as if it's opposed to God, and let them discern where that is. It's not about hate. It's about love. And if you love someone, you don't go out and violently accuse them or, or tell everybody they're wrong. Instead, you quietly go to them and talk with them and help them understand where you see a difference, but it is still for them and God to decide, rather than publicly standing up and telling everyone how you believe someone else is wrong. Well, that's for your glory. That's not for them. You're, you're not helping people, um, and that's not what God desires. He desires us to keep him in mind and what 
he wants as we uh, as as we talk to others and help others. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And the question then becomes, um, with what you just said, is you know does that describe you know the Southern Poverty Law Center? I mean, it doesn't, and it doesn't. It depends on whether or not. Uh, they're just disagreeing with people, you know. If, if somebody is actually dangerous, if somebody is violent, if somebody is spreading, um, uh, you know, ideologies uh, which are going to encourage other people to commit violence, um, you've got, you know, if you really generally have some kind of a, a cult organization and you're encouraging your members to go out and, you know, bomb other people or what have you, then you're a danger to society. You're dangerous. The idea behind this list is to call out dangerous groups. So the question is, are all the groups on this list dangerous? Or are they on the list simply because, and this is what you were talking about, Bob, somebody else, you, you don't agree with what somebody else has to say. So there's, there's the dividing line, isn't it? Because if, in fact... There's somebody else out there with which you don't agree. Can't you call them out? Of course. Of course you can. That's, you know, what our country is based on, the, the ability of everybody to do that. You can call them out. You can disagree with them. But when you call them a hate group, what are you doing? Does it – you know, we said the important thing is why people do what they do. So why call them a hate group? What does that conjure up? When you say someone is a hate group, group. They're not an insensitive group. They're not a nonviolent, stupid group because they have dumb ideas, but they're a hate group. And that's that Im- different. Yeah, that immediately, you, you started off the program listing the two that are obvious and most people think of, right? So you, you list the Ku Klux Klan, a group of people that were horrific and still to this day would desire to hurt others because they disagree with them and force people to take on their ideology. The neo-Nazi that wants their way and is willing to use violence and hate and intimidation, right? Those are hate groups. Those are people that are using violence to demand of others to believe the same way. But to talk about someone that simply has a different idea than you, that doesn't have any desire for intimidation, no desire for hatred, just you disagree. That's not a hate group. That, that puts them on a, on a heck of a position, right? Because now they're defending themselves rather than trying to help others. It, it's, a, it's a heck of a thing to do. You know, there's, there, there's certainly groups on here that fall into those categories, uh, which we talked about um, you know, your neo-Nazis and you know, your Klan's group. There are, there are still, believe it or not, some Klan organizations that are listed. The Loyal White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan apparently has chapters in North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland. Uh, there's another one in Arkansas. So there's Klan's groups still on there. And I don't know how many people are in these groups. Hopefully not many. But uh, there's some. Uh, there's groups called uh, the Patriot Front um, Proud Boys are listed. Um, you know, there's there's some other other groups of that nature. Now the the AC Skins. I don't know. You know, the, the National Socialist uh, movement. So that's your neo Nazis. Um, I don't know anything about those groups. I don't want to despise. You know, or to disparage those groups. Um, 
You know, there's that gentleman who was killed uh, in Seattle who was a member of the Proud Boys and his, you know, parents, you know, say that, you know, he, he was a good guy. He was totally, you know, not violent and this and that. And he was, you know, so it's easy to cast aspersions on an entire group. And we've got to be careful about doing that. don't want to do that. But there are certainly some groups in here that very well, very well may qualify as being dangerous. As a matter of fact, um, it used to be that the FBI uh, would list some of the same groups or use, I guess, some of the uh, some of the organizations, some portions of the list compiled by the Southern Poverty Law Center in their own list of you know domestic dangerous groups. Lately, this is the FBI has stopped that. And there's a reason for that. Um, and, and we'll get into that. So anyways, um, you know, what, uh, what is it about this list? Uh, there's an article in the National Catholic Register. There's another one. Um, actually, it was written by uh, the Catholic News Agency. It appeared on their website. And I think it was also a Catholic World Report uh, who just got uh, – I guess suspended from Twitter for a couple of days. No explanation as to why they were suspended, and or a very, let's say, un, you know, a very brief explanation, and then they were readmitted with, again without an explanation. Um, but anyways, uh, that that's another story. But anyways, um, you know these these groups, these 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 various groups that are listed, um, they it is a it is a bit of a problem because. Uh, what happens is there are groups like Amazon Smile. Amazon Smile, that's a program where when you make Amazon purchases, you can uh, designate a certain portion of the purchase price to go to certain charities. And groups that are listed by the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, are not allowed, I think, I don't know, always or in many cases, uh, from that program. And so uh, it has a real effect on defunding uh, some of these organizations. So there's, there's a harm that's involved. Um, for example, uh, NBC reported uh, that it was scandalous that 14 organizations participated in the Paycheck Protection Program, you know, with the whole co- the COVID relief monies that were available. Um, and one of those organizations was the Ruth Institute. And that was scandalous for these organizations because, you know, they're hate groups. And NBC used this listing of the Ruth Institute by the Southern Poverty Law Center to make that report, uh, that it was, you know, that it was, um, you know, so improper for the government to be paying money to the Ruth Institute. Well, who was the Ruth Institute? Um, The Ruth Institute was founded by Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, and she described the organization, and the organization basically is described as something to protect families. It's to try to, it's basically to try to uh, provide resources and uh, and help to families that are dealing with divorce uh, or the things that interfere with the family life. And it's it's Catholic uh, in uh, in uh, you know in its in its beliefs and perspective. Anyways. So uh, Dr. Morse uh, said, quote, NBC relies on the Southern Poverty Law Center for the hate group designation. This just means that the Ruth Institute is a group the SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, hates. Big deal. They raise a lot of money with their hate-mongering tactics. Um, If fighting sex abuse, pornography, and divorce makes us a hate group, so be it. 
Um, so this is interesting. Now you've got one of these so-called hate groups saying that the hate is really coming coming from the SPLC, that they're practicing hate themselves. The you know, the Ruth Institute feels that they are the object of hate. Now, is that a justified opinion? Is it not? But it's interesting. They're accusing the accuser of hate. Uh, and uh, if they're right in that accusation, then we can go back to what St. Paul says. Woe to you who judge, because you do the very same things. If they're castigating the Ruth Center as being a hate group, but they are perpetrating hate against the Ruth Institute, then that friendly advice from St. Paul to be wary of this comes into play. As we said, the human condition is the human condition. It doesn't change. Behaviors that people practice today um, are in many ways the same as behaviors people practiced back thousands of years ago. People are people. I think someone said that, right? Once, uh, people are people. Anyways, um, another reason why people might be feeling this about the Southern Poverty Law Center comes with regard to another uh, group that was listed um, called the Family Research Council. And I'm not that familiar with the Family Research Council. I, I know they, um, they try to uphold traditional Christian ideas of the family. But in any event, in 2012, a gentleman, I'm not going to mention his name simply because I don't believe in spreading fame for people who do atrocious things. Uh, he uh, had a 9-millimeter pistol and 50 rounds of ammunition, and he entered the lobby of the Family Research Council's headquarters in Washington, D.C. He came across an unarmed security guard and shot him. Um, the guard, although he was shot, succeeded in wrestling this man to the ground and potentially saved many lives in that building. That's as far as it went. This man only shot one security guard because of this, this guard's actions, uh, heroic actions that day. So what's so interesting about that? Well, this man confessed in federal court that his motivation for attacking the Family Research Council was the fact that it was listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. A hateful act, an intended mass shooting, uh, was the result, at least in this one case, by the admission of the guy who did it, was the result of something fomented and spread by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Does this... Does the American, does the Family Research Council, have they ever committed violence of their own? You know, they promote traditional ideals of the family. And nowadays people think, well, you're hating people. You're hating people who don't subscribe to the traditional notions of the family. And so you have to be stopped. Well, if that's true, then there is no more discussion. We can't discuss what is the proper, you know, is there a proper form of the family? What is the proper form of the family? You know, we can't discuss that anymore. Discussion goes out the window. And it certainly goes out the window when you walk into a building with a gun and try to shoot people. Um, so you know, what's, what's going on, Ray, is we're saying this is our belief. And if you don't believe the same way we do, which is anything's acceptable and the world is open, you're going to be a hate group. As soon as you decide 
that some, in some way that is not consistent with family ideals or, or the family itself, you now have become a hate group because you're against somebody that would practice that. And you don't feel that practice is, is correct. That's, that's wild. That says you either believe what I believe or you're out. I, I hold all the cards. I'm smarter than everybody. I know. And therefore, if you disagree with me, you're out. You're a hate group. And of course, the criticism of people who believe in the traditional notions of the family is that they discriminate against other people and they exclude other people. and They're not tolerant of those other people. But if, as you say, you're a group that says, unless you agree with me, you know, uh, you know we're coming after you and such, you're not tolerant of their viewpoints. If there is a question and an issue for society to decide as to is there a proper form of a family, what should it be, et cetera, then isn't that a discussion that should be had? Um, or do you just label something as a hate group and then take actions of one sort or another against it? Um, and they have, uh, the, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center advocates, for example, that uh, that people get deplatformed and defunded and deplatformed. They try to destroy certain organizations. They, you know, and so, uh, you know, you are cutting off the discussion. If in fact there are groups that are on the list who are not really dangerous, but just simply groups with which you do not agree. So unless you can make the case or prove that the you know uh, people devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary or people who want to pray the rosary, um, you know, groups like that are actually some danger to other, to other people in our society, then in fact you are calling people out simply because you disagree with their ideas. Um, interestingly enough, the Southern Poverty Law Center also um, was used um, for calling out Amy Coney Barrett. Now, if that name sounds familiar, that's because she right now sits on the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, you may not agree with what she believes, but she sits on the Supreme You don't just walk into the Supreme Court and decide to sit there. You have to be confirmed. You have to be picked by a president and confirmed by a Senate. That happened. Now, you may not agree with the pick made by the Republican president. You may not agree with the confirmation made by the Republican Senate. But it happened. That's, a, you know, all those people that are behind that president, elected that president, elected that Senate, that's a significant portion of the country. It's not a little fringe. The Republican Party is not a fringe group. Now, we have a Democrat president and a Democrat Senate. They may do things Republicans don't like. Okay, so what? That's how the country works. If you live in a democratic society, that's how it works. But uh, she was called out because she has ties to the Alliance Defending Freedom, which, let's see, who, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who, who gave this quote. Um, but anyways, ties to the Alliance Defending which the LB, SPLC has designated as an anti-LGBTQ hate group. So we have a sitting justice on the Supreme Court who was held up to ridicule uh, because she had a tie to the Alliance Defending Freedom, and the Alliance Defending Freedom is a hate group on this 
list. So who is the Alliance Defending Freedom? Because if you even have a tie to them, you're in trouble. Well, it might be interesting to know that they recently, since 2011, they have won 11 cases at the U.S. Supreme Court. So their ideas can't be all that crazy if at least in 11 cases the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed with them. Um, so anyways, um, bum, bum, bum. Um, oh, yeah, some other things about the um, S- uh, SBLC. Uh, let's see there. Interestingly enough, their co-founder and uh, president was forced to resign two years ago. Um for racism, there was, there was, I guess, racism and misogyny. Uh, there's sexual harassment and racism practiced in the Southern Poverty Law Center linked to him, and he was forced to resign. Oh, yeah. So it's easy to judge, but do you do the things for which you judge other people? Here we go. Anyways, uh, they also recently called out, they put out a, a field guide to anti-Muslim extremists anti-Muslim extremists, so hate group sounding kind of title. Um, but they had to uh, pay Majid Nawaz $3.3 or almost $3.4 million in settlement. Uh, and then they took him out of this, um, uh, out of this field guide. Now, I don't know why he was included, but obviously it was improper because they agreed to pay $3.4 million to remove him. Anyways, this field guide also include Ayan Hersi Ali. Now, I know who she was, who she is. I think she's the woman who was genitalia. I was trying to think there was a, there's an adverb. But anyways, uh, but she, yeah, she was mutilated uh, genitalically or I don't know, whatever the adverb might be. Um, mutilated and has spoken out against Muslim extremists who... You know, I mean, they might kill a daughter if the daughter happens to, you know, cavort with a, with a Christian or things of this nature. Um, okay, so, I mean, here's a woman fighting for some very basic human rights. She was included on this, in this field guide against these extremists. Um, you know, uh, let's see, this Brian Brown, president of the International Organization of the Family, has said... It is really the SPLC themselves who are motivated by prejudice and bigotry. There is nothing hateful about believing that children deserve a mom and a dad, but it is entirely hateful to persecute organizations and individuals who support this idea. So that's the question. I mean, are, we, are they persecuting people with whom they simply don't agree? So who is the Alliance Defending Freedom? Let's do a little bit more on the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you go to the website for the Southern Poverty Law Center and look up what they say about the Alliance Defending Freedom, they've got a full 20 pages that they devote to this organization, and they don't like them. And the reason is, the reason may be explained by the fact that in a lot of the cases uh, that deal with constitutional rights, freedom of religion, uh, cultural issues, the Alliance Defending Freedom is filing briefs on one side, and the Southern Poverty Law Center is often on the opposing side. They've, they've met many, many different cases. Um, but what's interesting to me as I'm, as I'm looking at this is that they say some things about the Alliance Defending Freedom that was really surprising for me to see on the Southern Poverty Law Center website. They acknowledge that in 2010, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, was granted special consultative status at the United Nations. 
which allowed ADF attorneys to attend and intervene at treaty and conference uh, convention drafting meetings. In 2010, ADF was accepted into the EU Transparency Register, which allows the organization to influence politics uh, of the European Union. They've given numerous expert opinions and keynote addresses to the European to European Parliament committees. In 2014, they were accredited by the Organization of American States, which allows them to attend meetings and debates to battle groups opposing ab- promoting abortion and so forth. So, why would the Southern Poverty Law Center basically sing the praises of the Alliance Defending Freedom? It's because they're trying to promote the idea that they're dangerous. They've got access to the European Union. They've got access to the United Nations. They're too dangerous. We can't allow them to have that. Guess what? What are they saying? We're going to cut off the discussion. The Alliance Defending Freedom, they're a danger. These, what would seem like credentials and positives and praises for the Alliance Defending Freedom, which the SBLC would never do, can only be considered um, as negative comments. I mean, the only reason the SBLC would put them on the website is because they consider this a negative, the fact that these organizations have been, that this organization been accredited such status by the most respect, I mean, the highest, most, you know, organizations that we have internationally. How do you get such accredited status? Do you get it because you're a fringe hate group? You know, obviously, the European Union didn't think so. The United Nations didn't think so. So, you know, the only reason this is a negative, the only possible explanation for this being a negative is they have a chance to, and that's what they say, they have a chance to influence the politics at these organizations. In other words, they engage in the debate. They present addresses at committee meetings. They don't control anything, but they get their voice heard. That's the danger. It, the only They mention the OAS, the Organization of American States, and the only thing they say that the ADF has done at the OAS or, or that they have the right to do at the OAS is to attend meetings and debates and to engage in the discussion. That's the danger. We can't allow them to talk. Are they committing violence? Do they mention anywhere in this 20 pages that the Alliance Defending Freedom engages in any violence? No. But they engage in discussion. They engage in disagreement. Um, a, a, a discussion is a lot more fun when two people disagree. It's a lot more interesting. And hopefully what it does, in fact, our entire law system is set up on two different people representing two different sides to put what they think is correct on the table and let a judge decide. So if you stop someone from being able to express their opinion, if you stop them from conversation, you're basically shutting down one side. You're, you're asking a defendant to go in and defend themselves without being able to get representation or to defend themselves and talk and let them know why they are not guilty. It seems to me that we're missing the point completely. If you don't get a chance to state your opinion or your side, then you're truly being unfairly treated. And I I can't imagine why somebody could be a hate group for simply stating their opinion. They're not hurting others. Is it wrong to have a difference of opinion? Have we gotten to the point where 
there is a list, and evidently there is, of what you can and can't believe. And if you believe something that's on that list, you're you're a hate group because even if you don't act violently, even if you don't act against others, even if you're not um, encouraging violence and disruption, you can't even disagree. That's that's a hard to imagine. That's a that's a difficult thing, and. It seems to me that there is some unwieldy, some horrific power in someone who gets to decide you're a hate group for simply having an opinion. Well, maybe there is a certain decent amount of power because, you know, um, NBC, ABC, they they do these reports um, and they report these organizations as hate groups simply because they're on this list. Um, So that's uh, so the Alliance Defending Freedom is is one. By the way, so what kind of legal cases did they get involved with? Well, they filed, for example, they filed an amicus curiae brief in the Little Sisters of the Poor case that was decided last year where the court sided, the Supreme Court sided with the Little Sisters of the Poor. The Little Sisters of the Poor, a more dangerous group you never could imagine. Anyways, but they, the Alliance Defending Freedom defends them, for example. Also on this list, the Thomas More Law Center. I mean— I've met the guy who's the president of the Thomas More Law Center, um, and uh, they get involved in a lot of cases, cases that we've, along with the Alliance Defending Freedom, have, have talked about on this, on this program before. Um, they fight for things like religious liberty. Um, Thomas More Law Center is right now engaged in a case in Michigan where the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom put out a list. This was in 2019, so the list just before this one. And uh, they listed a certain group, uh, a Michigan-based uh, Catholic organization, as being one of these hate groups. Um, and they listed 31 hate groups on the, the hate map. As I told you before, you can check out the hate groups in your state. They have a hate map. And they listed 31 hate groups operating in Michigan. Well, three days after that list came out, the attorney general uh, of Michigan uh, announced in a press conference uh, that they were forming a, um, a task force to fight hate crimes. And the Civil Rights Department at this press conference, uh, well, no, actually later they told the reporter, um, that the department was creating a database which would document hate and bias incidents that do not rise to the level of a crime or a civil infraction. So they're forming a task force. They're going to compile a database um, and they're going to go after people who are guilty of hate and bias incidents. If you're going to try to catalog and create a database of all the bias incidents in your state, uh, it's going to be a full-time job for the entire state government. I mean, yeah. And they're going to be you know, devoting resources to things that don't even rise to the level of a crime or a civil infraction. It's not even, not even a civil... Th- uh, thing where you might have to pay some monetary damages to somebody as, as recompense. Um, so, Ray, when in this this happened to a friend of mine. So, when you have a robbery, someone comes into your home and steals your things, and ruins, destroys your home, wreaks havoc, right, breaks walls and windows and everything else, and you go to the police. Their answer, quite often, because they are so overworked and so overwhelmed, is. Call your insurance, get it fixed. This will never be found out. We don't have time to do 
the work that's needed to find who these burglars are, who the people are that have done this destruction. We don't have time to do that. So we don't have time to worry about who the perpetrators of real crimes are. Yet we have time somehow in Michigan to make lists of people that aren't doing any crime at all. They right. simply have yeah. an opinion. How, how can we do that? How can because we not have enough time to go after people that are violent and breaking the rules, right? Stealing cars is, a, is another one. If you steal a car, the police don't help you. They say, call your insurance company. We'll deal with it that way. Yet we're going to make a list of people that have opinions? Well, yeah, and it goes farther than that. Uh, this, this Catholic group that um, it's called Church Militant, this Catholic group, um, and I, I've interviewed the guy who runs Church Militant. Um, he takes some very, even inside the church, some controversial stands. But he's, you know, I've never heard anything associated with that organization that even hints at violence. He runs a newspaper. Anyways, um, he's under investigation by the Attorney General of Michigan. And the uh, uh, Thomas More Law Center filed a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, uh, for some information. They were rebuffed. The Attorney General in uh, Michigan said, no, we're not going to. But they did admit that they have no policies to safeguard the constitutional rights of people who have not been committed of a crime. They have no clear definition of what is a bias incident or a hate crime, nor a clear definition of what is a hate group. So if you're investigating people, you've, they've admitted that they've, they're investigating this organization. They're under investigation by the attorney general's office. You've got attorneys. You've got undercover. You've got police people. You've got resources. You're under investigation by the government. There are no clear rules as to what they're investigating you for. So how are you supposed to know when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing? They, they, the government doesn't even know what these definitions are. Um, you know, they've got free reign to just investigate people. And, uh, you know, when you're under investigation, how threatening is that? The, there was a case uh, called Buck versus Gordon, which recently was decided um, in dealing with uh, the St. Vincent, uh, Vincent Catholic Charities. Chief Judge Robert Junker of the U.S. District Court for the Western Dis District of Michigan in a published opinion found that the Attorney General of Michigan attempted to stop St. Vincent Catholic Charities from performing adoption and foster placement, placement services because it professed the Catholic belief on marriage. Judge Junker said that the past statements by the Attorney General, quote, raise a strong inference, inference of hostility towards a religious viewpoint that's known as viewpoint discrimination. That's unconstitutional. Uh, Justice uh, Junker concluded that, this, that quote, St. Vincent was targeted based on its religious belief. And, still quoting Judge Junker, and it was Defendant Nessel, the Attorney General, who targeted it. So if this is the Attorney General who's already targeted one Catholic organization and then you become then you fall under investigation with all the resources the state can bring. And they've got no standards, which they even have developed themselves, let alone convey to you so that you know what to do and what not to do. I mean, what kind of a legal framework are people living under? So that's part of it. So, and, you know, we've got, so that's, so the St. Thomas More Law Center. So they bring that kind of a case. One of the, you know, 
who, who are the people they defend? What is the, the Thomas More Law Center? What are the, some of the things they're involved with? Well, that's one example of what they're involved with. They're trying to stop government from overreaching and conducting these secret investigations. Back when J. Edgar Hoover was running the FBI and he was investigating uh, people like Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, people fought against that. It was government overreach. It was secret police powers. Um, it was clandestine investigations, wiretapping, unauthorized, you know, improper wiretapping, all that kind of police state stuff. So who is the Thomas More Law Center? There's somebody who take up the case of citizens against that very same thing. They have not been accused of any kind of violence anywhere, but they're on the list. So, uh, the Ruth Institute, Lions Defending Freedom, Thomas More Law Center, uh, some, of these, some of these other groups we mentioned. You know, what's this, uh, what's this all about? Um, why do we, you know, why do we have this? And is, in fact, it permissible to say, to think, to consider whether or not the Southern Poverty Law Center is actually engaging in hate against the people that they claim are the haters? Well, if you go to psychology today, I love doing this. I love looking at science and then trying to find whether or not, without any kind of religious um, input, whether or not, from a scientific perspective, you can come up with the same answer that you come up with from a Catholic or Christian or religious perspective. Can science and faith agree? And if they do, then that's a pretty strong indication to me that what, it, you know, that what they agree on is the right answer. Well, it makes sense to me that science and religion agree. See, they were sort of put together and made by the same, same entity, the same God. So <laughs> who, they, should, they should go together. They should go together. Pretty, if, in pretty, fact, pretty, if in fact there was a God, right. then they should go together. They, they should fit. So uh, in psychology today, uh, there was an article uh, uh, that, that appears – the psychology of hate, and it lists five factors uh, for explaining the psychology of hate. And what they're trying to explain is that guy who, like the guy who went into the family, you know, American, you know, family center in Washington and, and tried to shoot up a whole bunch of people. What would prompt somebody to rise to that level of hate? And if it describes that kind of hate then those same factors, maybe in a less intense form, could also apply to lesser forms of hate. Well, let's see if, let's see if they seem to apply. Number one, fear of the other. Uh, behavioral researcher Patrick Wannis uh, cites the in-group, out-group therapy. He says, quote, hatred is driven by two key emotions of love and aggression. One, love for the in-group, the group that is favored, and two, aggression for the out-group, the group that has been deemed as being different, dangerous, and a threat to the in-group. Does that seem to describe what we're talking It seems to describe what we're talking about to a T. The in-group is everybody who believes in the modern notions of family. Um, a lot of these groups are put on this list and admittedly put on this list simply because they don't favor the LGBTQ status. They favor a uh, type of thinking. They favor you know, the traditional notion of family. Now, these Catholic groups that do that will all maintain, uh, as the church does, that there's never reason to discriminate or discriminate against anybody 
you know, who's in a same-sex union or is under an LGBTQ persuasion, uh, but that we don't agree. We don't agree. We're not going to discriminate. We're not going to, you know, perpetrate, um, you know, any kind of, um, you know, ill behavior against. There's never an excuse for doing that against anybody. But we don't agree with what they believe. A discussion, not violence. And yet, that is enough, even by the admission of the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, to earn you status as a hate group. So you have this fear of the other, you know, and and then number two is uh, fear of ourselves. It involves projection, that classical uh, psychological uh, principle um, discovered by Freud. And uh, the article talks, this article Psychology Today talks about the need to be good. So, and, and because we feel a need to be good, we project badness outward and attack it. We need to be good. We're good. What's on the outside, what's, a, you know, what's, what's opposed to us, that's bad. That's how we look at things because we feel the need to be good. And does that describe Southern Poverty Law Center? Well, you're describing these people as hateful. They're bad. Nobody should have anything to do with them. They shouldn't even be allowed to talk at the United Nations. Uh, but the article continues, that's a problem. Because all this does, this projection, or you project this badness outward so that we can attack it, is that it perpetuates repression, which leads, it says, to many, many mental health issues. Um, and then they say that the antidote to hate is compassion. If I kept hate, and this is quoting the article, if I kept hate in my heart for another, I would have to hate myself as well. I mean, if you're driven by a desire, a need, a human compunction deep inside to be good so that, you know, you have to put badness outside of you and attack it. And then you... You look at that badness that's outside, that other group, and you regard it as bad, and you have hate for it, then you end up hating yourself because now you're not good because you're doing something. You have this need, compulsion to be good, but you're not doing good because you're hating another group. And then that only ratchets, ratchets up your you know, animosity against that other group. That's the mental health problem that they're talking about. Another uh, element, it fills a void. Um, it distracts us from the more challenging when we hate a group it distracts us from the more challenging um, uh, job of uh, creating our own identity acts of hate are attempts to distract ourselves from feelings of powerlessness and if you live in a democratic society and you've got other voices out there who are uh, confirming uh, Supreme Court nominees you don't like and talking to United Nations committees in ways that you don't like, you're going to feel powerless. But guess what? It's part of living in a democracy. Um, cultural factors. Uh, we have, a, you know, if there's a, if there's a culture of, 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 you know, us versus them. Um, and this goes back to Saul Alinsky. You talk about a culture that we've developed. We live in a culture where we have to hate the other person. His whole uh, philosophy of political action was polarize groups, make the other guy sound bad, um, and then you can uh, stir people up to political action. 
Well, the problem with that is that you create a lot of hate, you know, certain groups hating other groups. There was once a famous situation where people in the group that Sololinsky was trying to help were complaining because he was telling them they had to ridicule and, 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 uh, and, and criticize this one particular head of a corporation. And the local people said, but we know this guy. He's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's good to his family. I can't say these horrible things about him. Yeah, he's doing things in the corporation we don't agree with. But we can't say this or that, that he's a bad person because he's not. He's a good person. Alinsky chastised them. He couldn't believe where they were coming from. He says, do you people want to win or not? And it's all about the winning. It's not about being truthful. Uh, they objected. This isn't true. We can't say this. And he said, that's not the point. The truth is not the point. And so that's what happens. And then you just perpetuate this hate. Um, there's another article in Psychology Today which talked about, you know, this uh, in-group, out-group uh, sort of mentality applying to an entire group. And if you apply it to an entire group and you basically label everybody in the group as being a problem, then you should uh, check yourself. If you ever find yourself blaming an entire group, challenge that perception is what it says. And, of course, this list is nothing other than that. Um, there's, there's more that we could say, but our time is, is running short. Uh, so we, we can't get into some additional elements. But, you know, it, 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 it's enough here, I think, to, to, to show that it's really more a matter of not agreeing with what people say as opposed to these, these other groups being dangerous. And if we try to label, shut down, defund, deplatform other groups simply because we don't agree with them, and we're going to throw out labels like hate groups uh, to castigate them so that everybody hates them, uh, then we're not living in a free society that believes in free speech and the fair exchange of ideas and discussion of social issues, and that is a problem. I'll leave you with one little thought. I actually printed out the list. It's not easy to find this. It's not easy to get to the list, but I actually downloaded and printed out the entire list of all 838 organizations that the SBLC has labeled as a hate group. Do you know what you will not find? You will not find the satanic temple or any satanic cult. Uh, there was an insider who used to be with the satanic temple, and he talked about performing satanic rituals inside abortion facilities. And he said it was particularly important for Satanists because it is considered the best way of giving an offering to Satan. He said, quote, in Satanism, killing something or the death of something is the most effective way of getting your spell accomplished. As far as trying to get Satan's approval to give you something you want, killing something is the best way to go. Killing something is the ultimate offering to Satan. And if you can kill an unborn, that is his ultimate goal. Southern Poverty Law Center is also pro-choice. It's also, you know, pro-abortion. Um, is that why the satanic temple or any satanic cult is not on their list? Who, if you're going to make offerings to Satan, who would, who would you think is the champion of hate if it's not Satan? And if you're going to be committed to offering you know, making offerings to the champion of hate. Wouldn't that 
qualify you as a hate group as opposed to Christian groups who believe in, you know, nonviolence? Well, in any event, I think, again, it's why is this happening? And we need to be aware of it. We need to look out for it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's going on all around us. It's going on all around us. Um, anyways, so with that, probably it's not, there's no more proper time than to pray for, for uh, things to, to get better, for us all to treat each other with more tolerance, whether we agree with each other or not. And perhaps, Bob, you can say it better than I can in a prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that we not seek ourselves, our own opinion, what feels right, what's politically correct. We ask that we seek you, your love, your compassion. And your love and your compassion doesn't have hate. It has wonder. It has the ability to accept others and to be involved in a conversation to help others come to know who you are. Allow us always to look for your view. Allow us always to speak your words. Allow us not to get interested in ourselves and what we wish to push in our agenda, but to always do whatever it is that you will, that you want, and let us be your hands and feet here on earth, showing other people what love is versus what hate is. Allow us always to be that vehicle. We pray all this in the one who showed us better than ever has or ever will come of what love is. And it is your Son, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, God bless. 